An early summer in 2006, a little guy from Sweden came from nowhere with a song about a certain football player, who actually today is still going strong. In a very short time, the song became number one on the charts and stayed there throughout the summer. The little guy then disappeared and most people forgot about him. But exactly 10 years later, he was back with a new song. A song that he himself had been involved with in writing, but the interest was quite lukewarm from the beginning. But immediately after his performance in Melodifestivalen's fourth semi-final, the song emerged as a big favorite to win the entire competition and represent Sweden at home in Stockholm. And that indeed came to be the case. What really happened in Melodifestivalen? How are you treated as a minor in the music industry? And what does Franz remember from the Eurovision? He was, after all, perhaps the only one who was sober on the spot. You are listening to Eurovision Legends with your not always sober, but yet not always drunk host, Evil Löfström. Welcome to Eurovision Legends, Franz. Thank you. Thank you so much. How's life treating you these days? Well, life is treating me well, actually. Um, just moved to Stockholm uh, two months ago, getting settled. And music is uh, exciting stuff on the way, so uh, I'm feeling good. Great to hear. First of all, I'm honored to have you here, especially since I heard you not always say yes to this type of media. Well, there's a story behind that, really. Um, during Eurovision and uh, Melody Festival, and I was still in first, uh, first ring, I think you call it. Yeah. Uh, and um, I didn't have a lot of spare time in between the school and uh, performing, so we just cut off most most things, just to make me focus on the school when I'm not out performing or and so on. So yeah, but now uh, it's a little bit. Um, I'm <laughs> I finished school, so I've got time for everything. Great. Before we dig into your artistic career and talk about your Eurovision trip, I would like to begin with uh, some quick questions. Are you up for that? Oh, please go for it. First memory from watching the Eurovision Song Contest? Um, Las Vegas with... Um, Martin Stiermark. Yeah. 2005. 2005. Yeah. That's it. In Las Vegas. I must ask, did you like that song? I loved it. <laughs> As a, what, what could I mean? I've seven. Yeah. Loved it. Best song from Sweden in Eurovision. Besides, if I were sorry, of course. Oh, besides. Mm, that's going to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, can't argue with Euphoria, to be honest. Least favorite song from Sweden in Eurovision, then? Oi. Least favorite? Um, uh, Digaloo, Digaloo. The Brothers, hooray. 
Yes. Uh, simply because I had to listen to that song too much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired of it. <laughs> you can't imagine. Who who played it for you? Oh, who didn't? That's that's the real question. <laughs> I heard it for some reason. That song haunted me for years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. should have won Eurovision but didn't um I think it's quite fair to be honest I'll say the French lady who did the uh, poet singing the latest ah, she was good yeah voila voila Most of my guests say themselves here if they didn't win. No, no it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> I was, I'm super happy with uh, with my result, but um, I, just just fairness wise, it's it's very um, it's very fair for yeah. some reason. Yeah. Who should not have won Eurovision but did? Oh God. Um. Oh well, yeah. No, I'm I'm all I'm just. Going for it. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> no, but uh, please. What's her name? The Ah Netta, the chicken chicken song. I'm not your toy. It's it's not that I don't like it. It's it's, it's I don't know. Quick questions. Favorite country in Eurovision besides Sweden? Ireland. Oh, they they're just crazy sometimes. They like it. Ukraine, but Ireland. Last quickie. Which artist would you like to see in the Swedish pre-selection Melody Festivalen next year? Hmm. Good question. Can it be international or does it have to be Swedish? Uh, it can be international, of course. I'll say so Larsson. She would be great. Yeah. Competing for Sweden or another country? Well, hopefully Sweden because yeah. she is good. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, preferably Sweden. Great, we are up and running. As a seven-year-old kid, you got a smash hit in Sweden during a summer with a song about a certain football player. And I know you always get questions about this, but I believe that many outside of Sweden do not know this story. So can we please take an elevator pitch version of this? Definitely. Um, Short version. When I was six years old, uh, my best friend's father was a musician. And I was playing around uh, with uh, my best friend, of course, and uh, was I was always singing. Um, so one day he was like, he overheard me singing and he said, friends, you can sing. I just responded with, yeah, <laughs> so what? <laughs> and he said, well, I've got this project. Would you like to uh, record it? And me, a six-year-old, I didn't. I could barely write my own name. I was like, "Hell yeah, let's go! <laughs> Good stuff." Yeah. 
So we recorded a song about a Swedish football player called Slatan Ibrahimovic. You might have heard of him. Uh, probably. And, uh, yeah, probably. And uh, it became an instant success. And uh, as a seven-year-old, I had to have a mini tour. I was very protected by my parents, but yeah, it was a smash hit. It became very big. And this song was written for... Uh, sorry, you got to help me here. I'm worthless when it comes to sport. Was it for the World Cup in football? It was actually the European Cup. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah? Yes. And the song was written by Fredrik Andersson and Ingvar Irhagen. Mm, Fredrik Andersson, simply. Okay. Ingvar is... Uh, he's, uh, he's the label. <laughs> Mm, okay, <laughs> but, yeah. but uh, Frederick and his band Elias. Uh, funny story: my best friend's name is Elias, and Frederick is the father of Elias. Yes. Okay, now okay, yeah. And the song immediately became a success, as you said, uh, on the charts, where it was placed at number one for ten consecutive weeks. <clears throat> and late twenty. Twenty. Yes. For twenty consecutive weeks. No. Yes. Do you mean it was Wasn't number it? one at in twenty weeks? Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, it was top 10 for 20 weeks, but one in 10 weeks. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm just sugarcoating it. <laughs> like, wasn't it like 15, 16 months or something? No, I'm just joking. Yeah, go for it. And later become the most played song in Sweden, 2006. Yeah. Were you in any way prepared for what kind of success this could be? As I said, I, I, I couldn't barely write my own name properly, spell my own name. No. Straight answer, no. Uh, I wasn't prepared for it. But my parents uh, were very protective. So I don't feel I was that, what do you call it, exploited. Yeah, great. Uh, but um, no, I got to experience a lot of um, a lot of good stuff. <laughs> a lot of uh, fun memories that I can't remember. What did your classmates and people around you feel about this attention you got? Uh, at the time, not sure. I um, can't remember. That's that's like the most annoying part. But obviously, it's had its um, effects uh, during the later years. I live in a very small town, though, so I know everyone. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I have a personal relation with most most people, uh, or in some way, we are connected. Yeah. So, which was really good because that my town became a safe haven, if you will. Yeah. Uh, no one would really like, oh, there's, oh, there's friends. Oh, so they were just like, oh, yeah, that's uh, Mark's son or Maria's son. <laughs> so you mean you weren't treated differently after the summer vacation when you came back to the school? Not at all? No, no, oh. I wouldn't say so. Hmm. I must ask this. How much time and money was invested on following up on this success with Who's the Man? Zero, I believe. Oh, okay. Um... Well, time. I had I had a gig. I had gigs during um, that period, of course. Uh, I had like ten gigs as a six-year-old. <laughs> uh, that's what they let me have. Yeah. Um, but uh, honestly, uh, my parents, instead of becoming a child's star, uh, stuck in a I call it a Disney World. Mm. Uh, they uh, they just cut everything off and said, "You're going back to school." 
because uh, you don't know if you want to do this uh, for the rest of your life and uh, whatever, whatever. And uh, I was okay with it because I wasn't really understanding what was going on, to be honest. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, sure, sure, let's go. Uh, so that's what I did. Went back to school. Uh, I didn't try to forget it. It was nothing. There's nothing that I wanted to get away from. But um, I got to mature with people in my own age. Um, so yeah, that's what I did. The song was recorded in both Swedish and English. It is not obvious that a that a little kid in Sweden is fluent in English, but many out there might not know that you lived in London and that your father is from Nigeria, which might explain it. Yes, uh, my father was born in Nigeria. Okay, I'm going. Uh, this is the best way I had to uh, explain it. Please <laughs> do. It is. So my grandma is Nigerian. My grandfather, he's actually cup of tea, classic British English. Yeah. So my dad is 50-50 basically. Born in Nigeria he was, but he was raised from the age of five in London. So he is mainly he he speaks only English, which for me is a great advantage, me and my siblings, because that means I was brought up in a home where dad spoke English all the time, mom spoke Swedish all the time. And yes, we spent some time in uh, Crystal Palace and East Croydon. But I knew English way before that. Yeah, that was a, that was that was it. <laughs> How connected are you to Nigeria today? Unfortunately, not that much. Um, the whole family moved from Nigeria to uh, London quite early. But uh, I wish to. Uh, I've actually never been in Nigeria. Oh, okay. So that's a definitely a, a trip I am planning to do. I saw on Instagram that you are friends with uh, Dr. Alban, and isn't he from Nigeria? <laughs> that story, uh, actually, uh, yes, he must be. Yeah. Um, I don't know how we met, how we know each other. Uh, he's just taken me under the wing as I've got, you know, flown up here to Stockholm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, but he's he's so much fun to be honest. He there's only one person like Dr. Alban, and he's a, he's a legend. Definitely. Hello Africa, tell me how you doing. Hello Motherland, tell me how you doing. Uh, an album followed the song, and you got nominated in Sweden for a Grammy, which you didn't win. I remember this so clearly. The song was nominated for a couple prizes, and as an eight-year-old, they had to bring me out to this. Uh, they brought me out with my mom to this big, big. Uh, Grammy celebration. There was a dinner. I was sitting on the same table as uh, a famous guitarist uh, that I can't remember his name, which is really sad. And Martin Steinmark. Mm. I was sitting at the same table, and um, I remember just thinking, "Oh, they brought me the whole way here to sit here with for hours, so I could win." You know, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I didn't, which is hilarious. So I, I just like started crying uh in the middle of uh, it uh, it was i was i was eight years old i shouldn't have been there they should have just, just not brought me there but uh, martin Steinberg, he um i think he won actually that's the thing okay that year 
I'm pretty sure he won something because he was so happy he threw his chair back and then he consoled me for for half an hour and said it's okay <laughs> so I'll never forget it and another story is there was some other prize that uh, you do know Base Hunter absolutely yep yes it was the same year that Base Hunter's uh, song uh, smashed all the yes Botanana uh smashed all the charts and he he also won something uh, in front of me and i was like what is this shit why are they bringing me out here like, <laughs> i was a bratty child believe me So yeah, I remember that, yeah. But I know you later got a Grammy for uh, If I Were Sorry. Oh yeah, um, yes I did, 2017 I believe. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was, um, it was a magical moment, but it, you know, it felt, to win a prize for a, for a song in later years, it's, it was surreal, it was surreal, but at the same time, it's so strange winning prizes. Because uh, you you don't feel like <laughs> well I don't feel like, like you can it's very difficult to judge what's the best song if you know what I mean yep you have your opinion someone else has their opinion and yes you can go by numbers most popular or whatever but it was just so it's just so strange uh, uh, but yeah I'm very thankful for the for the for the Grammy yeah I should, I have it on my <laughs> it's the first thing people see when they walk into my heart uh, room <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm like oh Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to brag. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> um, as a nine-year-old, you got a hit again in Sweden called uh, football, Football's Fest. Oh, uh, yeah. But after that, you disappeared from the limelight for many years. I did. Why? I hit puberty. What? I hit puberty. Well, no, that wasn't the main reason, but uh, it was part of it, I guess. Uh, no, but then back to the to the why I didn't resources and money uh, uh, on or after the success. Um, we did this AM lot uh, because we got uh, asked to do uh, Eurosong, whatever you call it. Yeah, and I was as a nine year old. Two years later, it's not like I left the studio. I got more involved, and I was like, okay, cool, fun. Let's do this. Like, let's let's do this song. So we did it. Uh, mainly to get a ticket to, <laughs> to a game uh, and uh, meet the whole football team. Yeah. So, worth it. Yeah. Um, but um, after that, my parents felt it was a good idea, and uh, me too, and thinking about it, to go back and, you know, grow up with people in my age. Because um, when you're out on the road, you're only, you're in a different world in the music industry, and it doesn't suit an eight-year-old, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, so I went back to school just to return again. It's my kind of thing, you know. <laughs> Get away for a while and then I return again. I believe in every country you hear about several artists who broke through at a young age, who later told in adulthood that they were used by, among others, record companies or managements or others to make money for others. Did you ever experience that? Well, not to the point where I was like, where it's, where it's affected me. 
But I did find out 10 years later that I didn't get one crown from the Slatan song uh, in royalties, hmm. uh, which was a big surprise. But then again, it, yeah, there was, there, was, there was one thing. But I have, in general, been very protected. My parents had, have been up all night making or looking through and the contracts and so on, so on. So there haven't been any great mistakes when it comes to that. I've had, I've had good lawyers and stuff. So I was very protected. So no, I wouldn't say I was used in any way because I had, as, a, as you understand, from, from that success, I could just say, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. And they were like, okay, we can't do shit about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good to hear. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. In late 2015, it was announced that you would compete in a Swedish pre-selection to Eurovision, Melodifestivalen. How did this come about? Um, actually, as you've noticed, I always, uh, I could go on talking forever. Uh, but I'll try to make this quick or quicker. Take your time. This is a podcast and you are the guest, so please. No, you're very kind uh, for not uh, for letting me uh, talk, but I'm going to try to like sum it up a bit. Okay, yeah. Uh, so um, I returned from London and I hadn't been in the studio since I was nine, actually, uh, when I when I came back from London. And, I, you know, I contacted uh, Frederick and said, Hi, mate. Uh, what's going on? I'd love to just swing by the studio. And I'm not kidding. The first day I was there, there was me, Mikael Saxel, uh, Frederick Anderson, and uh, Oscar Ferguson, four, four music writers, sing-songwriters and uh, producers. And um, we sat down and we started working on a song. Uh, I'd just been part of a relationship, kind of. Uh, not really a full-on uh, official relationship but uh, I was I was hurt <laughs> so they were like perfect let's write about that yeah but I wasn't I wasn't uh, I was a little bit of a you know cocky teenager uh, so I was like I'm not gonna confess that I was hurt I'll just not care you know <laughs> yeah yeah and we started writing a song about it and um, all the text was uh, mainly me and um, Mikael Saxel just spinning around uh, ideas and uh, lines and so on. And then uh, from that first day, we had a finished shell, you call it, on If I Were Sorry. And uh, the coming weeks, they kept on making it, refining it. Is that the word? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a little bit, just like details, what sounds, uh, and I sung it in. And then, yeah, so two weeks later, we had a finished song. And we just didn't know what to do with it. It was my first song. It was my only song from when I was a reasonable age. So we discussed some ideas. And um, he had a contact with uh, Melody Festival and since he'd been in it before. Yeah. Um, we actually sent it out and said, could this be a potential Melody Festival and song? With no real... With no real... This is important, I think. With no real ambition of the competition. If you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there are two, whatever, I'll come to that later. We sent it in and they were like, this is not really a Melody Festival and classic Melody Festival and Schlager. Not much energy, but still. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll give it a try. And the judges apparently sat through it. And I met a couple of judges uh, a lot of, several years later. 
uh, telling me about the story of when they that when they picked it out. So we sent it in. They uh, and it got selected, and from nowhere, we I understood that oh, I'm going to be part of you know Sweden's biggest music program in a couple of months. What the fuck? <laughs> But did you submit a song to the uh, regular committee, or did you have a shortcut? The thing about the the um, the committee is. It doesn't matter who you send a song to; it's they still go through nine hundred songs. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be a oh, this is this person singing this song, and everyone will be like, okay, and have a little bit of a oh, nice. Uh, yes, he will fit perfectly. But there's no, there's actually, as I understood it, there's no real. I'll get you in, <laughs> yeah, yeah, mafia. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just sent it in, and it got selected. Crawl through the desert on my hands and knees, rehearsing my pretty please Climb the highest mountain. If I were sorry, shout it from the top. Swim underwater until my lungs exploded. Walking to the fire. If I were sorry, I'd run a thousand miles. Wouldn't stop until I dropped. Wouldn't take the break to breathe until I got close enough. Then I'd do it all again. If I really had the chance, but I know deep inside, for you it's just another dance. If I were sorry, was this the only song you wrote for this project, or did you submit any more songs? That was the only song I had. Hmm. The first song I actually wrote as well, or was part of the majority of the writing. Yeah. Um, because Slatan's song, as I said, I couldn't write my own name. When I was six years old, I couldn't barely even write a sentence. So that song I didn't write. Uh, Fupil's Fest, I was with, you know, uh, writing a little bit, but barely anything. But this was the first song that I fully, you know, dedicated myself to. The version you submitted uh, to the committee uh, was Same that one. the version you later uh, released. Same one. We mm. had a finished song. That was it. We had a finished song and. We didn't just didn't know what our first thought was. We need a window, you know what I mean? Yeah. If we just release it out of thin air, nothing. It, it might not be caught up. Who knows what's going to happen? But Melody Festival has got somewhat three million watches, so we thought it would it would give it the best chance uh, or the best start, the best kickoff, if yeah. you will. Yeah. That was the that was the plan, and then also knowing that Berlin Festival is so much fun, so much fun. It's a it's a constant festival for two weeks. So I was like, yeah, this is going to be this is going to be amazing. Yeah. Is there an early draft or a demo of the song? <laughs> Honestly, I don't think so. We recorded the song, and then obviously there's always there's always um, yeah there's always shells. You know what I mean? Yeah. From day to day progress, yeah. if you will. But uh, it's been a straight line. And most, believe me, most projects that I have go through six different genres and seven, you know, trips around the world just to get the right instruments and so on. But uh, this was one of those songs that took twenty minutes to find hook understand the vibe an hour to write the lyrics and another hour to put in all the instruments so no not really 
Two of the co-writers, Fredrik Andersson and Mikael Saxell, had competed in Melodifestivalen before. Do you know which songs they wrote? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we make fun of uh, at least Fredrik for his uh, his performance. Yeah. Uh, this is the best, uh, <laughs> uh, most hilarious uh, piece of work I've ever uh, encountered, which he did with a band. Or do you mean in later years? Because I don't know later years, but before me. Fredrik Andersson wrote Miracle that Björn Ranelid competed with. Yes, I with. know. Yeah? Was that after or before me? That was before. That was in 2012. Okay. The same okay, year yeah. that Loreen won in Sweden. Okay, well, that makes sense. Because I didn't know if it was before or after. But oh, no, okay. he's been... Yeah. He's had a couple projects. He's done Mirakel. Yeah. He did uh, Renaida. Yeah, he is. He is. And Mr. Melody Festival. And uh, but I didn't know Mikael Saxell was there before. Has he written? Mikael Saxell wrote a song for Gladys Del Pilar that ended second in '94. I didn't know this. Okay. This is hilarious. Mm. How do you? How do you? F- <laughs> You've been researching, man. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and the song oh was God. called "The Vackraste of Eten." And we play it here. Oh, perfect. You competed in the fourth semi-final as the fifth song among seven. Do you yeah. remember who you thought was your biggest competitor in the semi-final? Now I'm going to give a little of a not boring uh, answer, but as I said, I didn't see it as most people, I believe. I didn't see it as a, com- a competition when I was there because you're in a bubble with these artists and it's just a it's very friendly vibe and everyone's just like, along for this journey you don't really until maybe you know the voting process see it as a competition as a, yeah you don't go around and like <laughs> you know do grins at people like <laughs> no 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 i totally get that yeah but um i don't know it's good i i remember i was there with dolly style we're going high we're going low I was there with Linda Bensi. Martin Steinmark, I believe. Yep. Like, imagine me. <laughs> She's like, Martin Steinmark, what a legend. <laughs> 
Um, I was there with Molly Sandane, who has always been a favourite of some kind. I was there with the rock band. There were a lot of people. Um, we, we were more, more of a family, you know. And I, but the but the I found every time I heard uh, Molly Sandane's song, I was like, that's that's a good song. Yeah, she's probably she's probably gonna win. That was my thought. So I wasn't even I wasn't even expecting going through to the. Uh, to the through the Dale Finale. Okay. Yeah. Well, you advised from the semi-final to the final together with uh, Mo- Molly Sandén and yes. immediately became a favorite to win. The odds were extremely low. I checked them and uh, a victory for you gave 1.45 times the money. That's nothing. <laughs> the funny thing is, do you want me to tell you something insane, which will probably uh, be partly illegal? But okay. It's Linda Bengtsin in the voting process. Yeah. She leans over before everyone's got their vote. No, it was actually just before... Yeah, before we were voting, everyone's had their show. Everyone's just excited, happy, and so on, and excited. She leans over because she's standing next to me, and she said, "This was before the odds." She said, "I bet a thousand crowns you'll win the whole thing," Ooh. and then she leaned back and said, "Nothing." I was like, "What the? <laughs> what the actual shit just happened? Like what?" And then later figured out that she. She must have won. Like, yeah, as you said, it was hilarious. But I don't know if that's legal, but I don't care. It, 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 no one will prove it, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> but after you had won and um, got to the final, the, the odds were extremely low. When did you realize that you actually could win this? Um, I don't know. Maybe um, in the rehearsals for the... Uh, I understood it in the rehearsals in Yevla actually uh, that I had a I had a somewhat chance. Yeah, I know I'm saying against myself a little bit, considering like um, that I didn't think I was going through. But during the rehearsals, there were not a lot of people in the crowd. There were like just staff members and um, and so on. But and and they brought in a little crowd just for rehearsals. And I did the song, and during the bridge, uh, the C part of the song. Everyone started clapping with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that was something that didn't really happen anywhere else. So I understood there that that was something special. But still, it didn't. I didn't figure it out until the voting process in the final, actually. That's when, when, some, when someone said, uh, yeah, gave out the points in the final, that's when I understood or, yeah, kind of understood that I've won. The international jury, which voted first in the final, had three favorites. Uh, Ace Wilder was number three. You at number two with one point less than their winner, Oscar Sia.
according to you, were these three songs the best? <laughs> Victoria was there, wasn't she? As yep, well, yep. I should have think yep. she should have been up there, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, she yep. had an absolute smash hit. Yeah, it's well. There was too the busy, busy, busy. Uh, don't Do worry. It. Oh, it was don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It depends on what you like, honestly. In a in a in a competing sense of what's going to be more. It's, like, that's a strange thing. Like I've been in competitions, but I, I don't really understand competition. If you know what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. But now we're talking about your taste. Mm, yeah okay um so yeah uh victoria should be there i think uh i actually uh, what's his name david lindgren uh, was there as well yep uh and it's a weird one yes it was a weird one but it was stuck in my head for ages mm. i was so pissed but <laughs> it was stuck in my head for too much um so it's it would yeah i think that would be a one popular one as well And finally, yeah, I'm gonna have to go Scarcia. Yeah, human. The televoters then had one clear winner, and that was you. You received 600,000 more votes than Victoria, who got second most votes. That's How... insane. Yes, definitely. I didn't know this. This is that's insane. How did this victory change your life? It turned it upside down. Uh, this victory turned it upside down. Absolutely. First of all, that was a Saturday. We had the show, the final. Yeah. On Monday, I was I was in school. I was uh, <laughs> studying up for a math test. Classic. <laughs> um, all my friends. Um, that's a safe haven. But you can't say that they treated you the same way as they did before you went to the final. Now. No, they were happier. Yeah. But the thing is, the thing is, the closest friends, they were happy and supportive, but just everyone else in the school. Ah, oh, me eating dinner in the canteen. My God, it was like a staring contest. My, uh, I, I won't forget that. And then, but it was, it was still fairly calm inside the school. But then, if you got, if I went outside of, you know, Eastod to Malmo, Stockholm, it was so surreal because going being in Eastod is like, oh yeah, hey, there's still you know Francis's son. Oh yeah, he won the Melodifers one. Really cool, really cool. But he's still you know Marx's son. Um, But if I went outside to Malmo, there could be like gatherings of people, and it, you know I could I could barely walk in town or in Stockholm. Oh, that was that was something truly unbelievably new, uh, exciting uh, at first uh, and still is. <laughs> But it was just like, what's going on? So yeah, uh, my life changed a lot uh, during the finals, and then in the Eurovision after that, that was a that was a story itself. But yeah, it um, 
it turned my life upside down, if you will, because I was trying to f- finish school uh, peacefully, but it was very a lot of distractions. Eurovision in 2016 was held in Stockholm since Monselmo Love had won the contest uh, the year before with Heroes. Um, what are your memories from your weeks in Stockholm leading up to the final? Um, I did a lot of fun stuff. I met a lot of the other countries. Um, we had different, what do you call it, activities. Yeah with different countries but my schedule was uh was packed it was packed from eight o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night so i was oof, i was uh exhausted it really took a toll because yeah. i had to wake up eight o'clock go out eat breakfast and then out do some activities until 12 and then eat something else but then i had to do school work for three hours and then there was an evening evening every single day um that finished at around 10 and then i had to go straight back to bed to wake up eight again and do the same thing again. So I was I was exhausted during those two weeks, but it was a lot of fun. And I got to meet a lot of wonderful people. Before the show, I remember you said in interviews that your favourites were Australia, Spain and France. Would yeah. you say that these three songs still are your favourites? Thing is, um, I do find the French guy, uh, the Spanish girl and the Australian uh, girl... They were, for some reason, the the closest tents <laughs> in Eurovision. Yeah. <laughs> so, and obviously, we met the most. Yeah. Um, we had the most interactions. We were uh, chilling the most and talking the most. So I was I wasn't going for songs that much. I was just going for personality. I was like, they they they're nice. I met them a couple of times. Those are my favorites. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, yeah. Um, thinking back, there were a lot of good songs that year, in my opinion. But, well, what, what's the real question? That's that's which uh, one is my favorite? Yeah. Or, in retrospect, today, which song do you think was the best competing in 2016? I would actually still go for the French guy. He had a he had a he had a fun song. According to the betting odds, France, Russia, Sweden and Australia were early on favourites to win. During the Eurovision week, Ukraine went up as a favourite at the same time as Sweden backed down uh, on the final night. Who did you see as your biggest competitor then? Well, the thing is, the Ukrainian girl, in the competition-wise, I remember that I I was already in the final. Wasn't I? Yep, yep. Since we won the year before, we didn't need to qualify. Yeah, so I only had one performance. Yep. Which was quite unique. Uh, uh, but uh, I don't mind. I I, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Let's, let's, let's perform it, let's work now. But uh, I was like enjoying the, the two weeks while everyone else was competing. Uh, but um, I remember the Ukrainian girl... <laughs> She was, I, I think she was great. I think she was great. Uh, and I think she's a well-deserved win- winner. Absolutely. But the whole thing I remember became, I got a lot of interviews, very, a lot of me, 17 years old, a lot of political interviews, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I started figuring out that was 
becoming a big part of the show um, when in the interviews they were like, oh, what would you think if it was hosted in Russia? Or or what do you think about the Ukrainian song? Uh, it's about whatever it's about. And I just remember the the whole, you know, come together fun festival be, be, had a different agenda from out of nowhere. But I do, so I just started like fo- focusing on I just, as I always do, focus on the, you know, the positivity in the, in the in the songs and in the people because they're all lovely people. But yeah, yeah, it it is what it is. Ukraine won, Australia it second, did. and Russia third. Opinions then about the top three. Uh, the thing about the Russian guy, he was extremely talented. And when I say talented, I don't, just don't mean show in showbiz. Like he didn't just start to sing, dance, and all the choreography and everything. He was super polite and extremely well trained in media. So I was like looking up to him, like, okay, what's he doing? He seems like he knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so he was, he was, he was lovely. Uh, I remember um, not thinking him knowing who I was, and um, went past him, and he and he, he said, "Hi, old friends. Uh, listen to your song from Melodious Storm. You're you're absolutely amazing." Just like surprised. Uh, and uh, the Australian girl, yeah, I spent some time with her, and she's she's amazing. And it, I didn't, I didn't, unfortunately, I was my tent wasn't close enough to the Ukrainian girl, but. Uh, Her song was amazing. Uh, everyone teared up a little bit uh, the first time I remember she sang it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, um, that was that was great. You ended fifth with uh, 261 points. Yeah, uh, amazing. And I know that you are satisfied with that outcome today. But what did you feel th- there and then, directly after uh, Ukraine won? Uh, directly after Ukraine won, I first of all uh, in the green room. Um, i didn't expect i didn't uh, i less expected to win or get anywhere high to be honest considering we were in stockholm and you rarely win twice uh, in the same country so i was like i'm just here for the i'm just here for the show and then i remember getting my first 12 points from some country i was like super shocked <laughs> i was like what what is going on what is going on and then um You know the points getting higher and higher and higher. I was just super thankful that people uh, did enjoy um, my performance. But uh, no, I wasn't ever considering. Uh, I was, I'm super happy with the placement, considering uh, it was in. I wasn't expecting to get top ten or top twenty. Honestly, yeah. Mm. I must ask, since I'm not fluent in English, but more in Swinglish. And you are first... very good at English, by the way. Thank you. Uh, yes. At first, I thought that your song title was grammatically wrong, as I thought it should be if I was sorry. Yes. We had the debate following us around for two months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you're not alone in this uh, this question. Um, no, it's simple. It's basically if I, um, it's both past tense, but one is if I was was. <laughs> this is going to sound like a like a tongue tongue twister, but if I was basically means a specific specific event or a specific scenario uh, or specific timeline. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I were, uh, it's more considering. It's more if I would have been. That's what were mean. If I would have been, sorry. Oh, okay, of yeah. If I was, yeah. Sorry. yeah, okay, yeah. And in the sense of the song where I'm telling different scenarios, uh, like I'd, I'd do this, I'd do this, I'd do this, I'd do this, if I would have been sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's not like, do you remember that specific time when you did that and I did that? Nah, I, I wasn't sorry then. Okay, yeah. If it makes sense, <laughs> it's like grammar. Oh my god! There oh, uh, was or were <laughs> another uh, song that year. <laughs> no, but there was uh, another song that year called "If Love Was a Crime," yeah. and she sang, "If love was a crime, we would be criminals." Is that grammatically correct? I think so. Yeah. Oh. Locked up for life, but I'll do the time. If love was a crime, then we would work miracles high above the ground. They will never break us down. Uh, you begin to talk about your grandma here. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, isn't she her, your biggest supporter? My biggest supporter is, in general, my family, but yeah, she's part of it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. She's just. My grandma, uh, she doesn't really, she's never understood fully the full situation, uh, or I don't think, but she has brought out the best support comments and guidance I could have ever asked for. Yeah. So you'll just say something, uh, and I've written it down because these sentences are amazing. She said, for instance, in the final, I had a chat with her and I said, hi, fam, uh, uh, a little bit nervous, you know, <laughs> 200 million people watching. I uh, can't really fuck up, can I? <laughs> she's, like, <laughs> she's like, nah, don't worry, you know, uh, act like a drunk guy, you know. And even though it sounds weird, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And, you know, uh, she has these quotes and this understanding. Uh, so she's just thrown out several comments uh, along the years and they've all been a little bit strange, you know, once I had a girlfriend and she said, no, 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 no. Wait until you're famous. <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck? Uh, but then again, she is full of love and she's, she's wonderful, yeah. I know that she said to you... Um... The day, well, I think it was the day before the show. She said, "Don't feel any pressure, France, but you must win." <laughs> oh my god, that's that's the, yeah. That was one I didn't really take to the heart because that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Don't feel pressure, but you have to win. I was like, "What? How? Pablo? What are you thinking?" But she's no, yeah. She has a she has a lot of lot of uh, lot of comments. She's lovely though. She means all the best. 
Uh, we talked to you before that she advised you to uh, act like a drunk uh, person. And you were the youngest yeah. competing artist, 17 years old. Were yeah. you the only sober person on site during the nights or did you have company? No, I was... I was uh... Hello? Sorry, 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 sorry. I just started babbling and didn't realize <laughs> that it shut off. But... Um, I um as I, I said um, I didn't hear anything so please begin from the start. No, okay. Um the thing is uh, yeah because of the laws in Sweden we can't uh drink until we're 18. Uh but um the fun story though I got a uh I got a magnum bottle uh of champagne. Um everyone else uh this was actually in the Melody Festival and final Uh, not Eurovision and Eurovision I didn't drink I was tired enough as it was yeah <laughs> so I was like I'll just have water and coke uh coca-cola I'm not Italian <laughs> uh but um uh that was a joke but I um uh, everyone else got these magnum bottles yeah like big three liter magnum champagne bottles but I got this little 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 champagne bottle and I was like Because they knew I was going to like uh, spray it over everyone, just totally waste it. So they were like, oh, let's not, let's not give them him a big bowl <laughs> because he'll only waste it. I was like, ah. Yeah. So that's what I did to every bottle I got. I just sprayed it on people. They got pretty pissed at the end. A common yeah. thing that most of the people who visit me in this podcast have said, and which I obviously experienced myself during my Eurovision trips, is what a great yeah. party it is. And uh, and that a check into a, let's say, Betty Ford Center or a White Month is much needed afterwards. So I must ask here, since you probably <laughs> are one of few who were sober during the week and remember everything, what happened behind the scenes? Oh, I have seen so much gossip teas. Oh my god, I am a wandering CIA diploma book. Please some share some gossip here now. Oh god, I don't know if I can though. I, I'll have I'll have every nation's elite forces on me <laughs> within minutes. <laughs> But isn't it prescribed now? No, no. I'll just say that um when you're so <laughs> but it's so much pressure in the air and it it releases uh, just after the final doesn't matter your position everyone just went absolutely mental uh which was fun uh, uh including myself but i was sober so yes as you said i do remember most things but no it's a it's a very 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 lovable uh <laughs> party yeah yeah everyone's going crazy what about the russians then The thing is, everyone thinks they can drink like Russians, but they really can't. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's generic. That's you can't really uh, no. Yeah, I think the Russians, uh, the whole team there, uh, they um, um, they did kill absolutely not, but they they were very good at convincing people they could drink more when they shouldn't. Um, so they were they, the most people who went home early was because of the Russians. But were they sour losers? No, no, I know. I don't believe anyone was. They may be seconds after. They were like, oh, shit, I was close. Oh, I should have done better. But at the party, it, was, it wasn't about the competition at the party. Oh, uh, so that was, that was what I'm saying. The, the, all, the, all the pressure, all the 
uh, stigma, the all all the everything that's been built up will just released seconds after the first beer. I have some gossip. You, Go for it. you see, my spice on site spotted you sneaking out with a girl to grab a sneaky smoke. Do you Ooh. have a doppelganger or can you confirm? Uh, it's very possible. It's very possible. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it could have happened. Could have not. I did, the only thing I wasn't allowed was drinking. So I was like, shit, I'll do something else. That <laughs> <laughs> Who was the girl? Yeah, I believe it was the Albanian girl. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I'll say no more. <laughs> Are you still in contact? No, actually, uh, no. I'm pretty, um, pretty bummed out that I'm not. I really would like to turn, you know. Yeah. I don't think I have contact with a single person. Like, I, I'll no. It's really sad, but it was five years ago, and we have <laughs> we don't see each other, you know, anymore. You got a hug from Justin Timberlake after his performance. Yeah. You wondered why I wasn't sad that I didn't win. <laughs> that's the simply that's simple uh, reason why. Or the only Yeah, that was that was actually insane. Did you get starstruck? I did, for the first time in my life. I yeah. got starstruck. So the thing was everyone else we got informed. We didn't know Justin Timberlake was coming until three days earlier. And um, when he walked in for the, he did he didn't do re- the rehearsals when we were there. So the first time we saw him was the general rehearsal on the day, yeah. and uh, we didn't know what to expect. And then he went out and he did you know just dance and and then and we were all like like holy shit this artist is extremely good. Uh, everyone was like oh my god I can see him from. 50 meters. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> and then he was supposed to go in and talk to Mon Selmalov, who was hosting the program. Yeah. And the first time uh, he came in, the first thing he did was he went up to me during the general rehearsals, went past everyone, went straight up to me and like put out his hand and said, did you write that song? And I was like, I wasn't expecting that at all. I I lost every single word uh, vocabulary in my uh, arsenal and just like, eh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, that's a great song. I love that song. Well done. I was like, eh. and then he went away to talk to Mon Senmanov. I was like, what the fuck just happened? And I remember every single table, every single country were just looking at our way, just like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> what just happened? Uh, and I was, I was starstruck. The people around me, there are pictures uh, because someone was fiddling with their phone because they wanted to film him go past anyway. There were just pictures of people standing next to me who are, who look, who look like absolute dumbbells because they're all in shock. And it was hilarious. But that was the general rehearsal. But then in the real final, he came back. And that's when he gave me a hug. And I, was, I wasn't prepared, but I was like, okay, anything can happen now. And it's live. I don't want to fuck this up. Don't want, to, don't want to fall. So he went up. He took my hand and gave me a hug and said, you did amazing. And then he went back, you know, he went to speak to uh, Montsembola. So yes, first time I was ever starstruck during, was the general rehearsal. And I nearly lost it. 
What has happened since Eurovision? Since Eurovision, I went back to school, finished all my uh, exams and uh, passed school. Uh, and then I've always done music. I did a tour, actually, after Eurovision, a quick tour in the summer. I think I had like 20, 25 gigs. And then uh, after that, I had a couple of years later, I had I had more uh, gigs and promotions outside of Sweden, actually. So I'm, I went to a full-on promotion run in um in, uh, I was in Poland, Germany, France, uh, I was in Belgium, and I was just like traveling. And I had some gigs there as well, which were amazing. <laughs> Even though no one understood any other song than you, if I was sorry, yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. still great. Um, but I kept on doing my studies, finished school. And now when I finished school, I returned to music and I started finishing the album because my, my days could have been like, go to school from eight o'clock in the morning till four o'clock and then go straight to the studio and write something which led to us having a massive bank with songs that I hadn't released or anything so 2019 I decided to collect all the scraps um, and release an album of the songs I've made during those four years and then now yeah then 2020 was pretty quiet writing songs uh, Actually, one fun thing I did uh, 2020, which was life changing, was I uh, I contacted a friend because I needed uh, I needed to do something during the day. I needed to have something to do because I was sitting at home watching Netflix. If I wasn't uh, in the studio, and, and the restrictions kept me from doing live gigs uh, or anything, so what I did was I contacted my friend who owns a bar. I said, listen here, my, my fingers are itching. I need to do something. I need to have a routine in my life because my sleeping schedule is fucked. Can you please just, sorry for swearing, by the way. Um, can you please just, do, just give me a job behind the bar? I just want to, I love just making drinks and making stuff. So mm -hmm. can I just try it out? Yeah. It's like, yeah, sure. Swing by. So that's what I did. Uh, all my spare time when I wasn't writing, I was in the, in the bar and uh making drinks and meeting people that was mainly it i need to meet people i'm a very social guy do you have a favorite cocktail i do it's called a negroni mm -hmm. and it's not everyone's favorite and that's why it's my favorite what's you it you know it? what i mean yeah oh it's uh it's a uh, it's a three uh straight uh spirits drink it's uh sweet vermouth yeah. gin and campari equal parts okay and it is bitter and it is a little bit sweet but Best thing about it is no one likes it, so I can keep it all to myself. <laughs> There's uh, something I learned from my dad, who loves Guinness. Several songs have been released since 2016 with different genres. And yes. uh, last year, uh, in 2020, an album was released, as you said before, which got great reviews among the critics. You're right, yeah. What is the next thing on your list to do? So now things are actually coming together. I am moving to Stockholm. Oh, sorry. I am in Stockholm, which was a massive step in my career, in my life, because I've always had the safe haven of Estad, my small town, and nothing really happens there, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, what I did, I decided, you know what? I am going to Stockholm and I am um, trying this music thing the whole time. Uh, get in contact, writing with new people. You know, all the opportunities spin in Sweden, spin around this area, 
which I've noticed. And just being here makes me more tillyingly. What do you call it? Like uh, available. Um, available. Yes, exactly. So uh, that's that's the next step, and hopefully the coming uh, months I will uh, release new stuff. And uh, I, the, for the main purpose, the one thing I love in the music is live performances. That is the best thing. That is the prize. That is meeting everyone in a crowd, and that is it's such a rush. Uh, so I'm, I'm I was addicted from the first second. So that's what I'm working towards. Have you submitted anything to Melody Festival since 2016? Nothing. And actually, I had a good chat with Corin, who is the new... Um, Christy Björkman. <laughs> Christy Björkman, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, had a, I had a full-on meeting with her, and we were discussing uh, whether this year was a, um, an opportunity or not. And uh, I said, this year, I have uh, just moved to Stockholm, think my life is changing, so I do not know if it's a good idea considering i've got so much to take care of but who knows in the future i just want to say uh, she's a good contact so uh it's not impossible that uh, in the, in the future i might end up on that stage again would you like see. to write songs to other in the melody festival uh anyone thing is i write a lot of songs uh i do uh my main part in the music process uh, creating wise is writing yeah and uh, so i and all the songs that i don't intend to release i send to people so they can uh, if they like it or if it fits them more uh so yeah i i'll never stop writing music and uh who knows one day i might write with someone who is participating or planning on participating in the next one that's like you never know but what kind of song if you let's say if you you compete in the melody festival and in the coming years what kind of song would you like to line up with um i've got a lot of circles as you said earlier i've done a lot of genres yeah i must say here i love your song do it like you mean it adore it Oh my god. Fingers moving across your face. Looking for that special place. Yeah. Open eyelids, leave no trace. Cut into that final chase. You gotta do it like you mean it. Do it like you mean it. Yeah. Do it like you mean it. As you said, there's a it's a million genres when it comes to me because I don't sit down and think, oh, I'm going to write this type of song. Um, it's just it just happens, yeah. Which is also very exciting. So, but who knows? Uh, I think it's quite freeing not to have a oh, I'm going to make this song again. Or I'm going to make this song again. Um, just to go with what what feels what feels right. Maybe you maybe you will hook up with Dr. Alban then. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> it's been it's been <laughs> uh, it's been brought up, if you will. Uh, so yeah. Uh, who knows? Who knows? I always ask my guests as the last question: Who they think I should invite to the podcast? Who do you suggest? Oi, 
you should definitely try to invite. The thing is, who in the Swedish lineup haven't you spoken to? Would you like to uh, that you think? Oh, this would be interesting. You know, I I was so close to talk to Björn and Benny for some weeks oh ago. Oh my god! Yep, but in the last minute they said sorry through their managers that they didn't have the time, which no. I totally understand. Uh, but considering uh, <laughs> <laughs> their week, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, hmm, which I haven't talked to. Uh, well. There's besides them. There's two winners I haven't talked to: uh, no. Lorien and Monsemelov. Well, in my opinion, I definitely think you should have a chat with um, Monsemelov, mm. uh, simply because of the reason that he has been not only won the whole thing; he's been part of it for so many years. Yeah, he must have so much <laughs> to tell uh, about every single aspect. He's been both a um, um, as you said, uh, a competitor and a uh, um, well, he led the show, didn't he? Yeah, he was well. the hosts in in hosting to yeah in your year. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. He, I think that's that's him. Or and yes, get Benny and Bjorn on the show. <laughs> like they are. They, he, I bet Benny a uh, couple times. He is the absolute most generally funny person ever. Yeah. So. It's a must. It's yeah. a must. And if I talk to Enada Tarifa from Albania, I promise to send her <laughs> your send contact. My lo- send my regard. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's going to become a thing, isn't it? My God. <laughs> well, you you heard it in this podcast first. Love thank it. you so much for this nice conversation, Franz. Yeah, but thank you for calling me. It's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>